Alright, we're recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, my name's Jeff. And I'm Chris. And uh, welcome to a new podcast. So Chris and I met each other in first grade, and we've been having the same conversation about video games for almost 28 years. And we decided to start a podcast about it. Yeah, it's a blast. And so we're going to start off with, John, what are you playing now? <laughs> which is uh, the current working title of the podcast, which is probably going to change. Yep, it'll be a really awesome title. <laughs> oh, my God. Which we'll get to someday. <laughs> Uh, dude, I'm still totally hooked on Lineage 2, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say that, but I am, I've been playing it more and more and more. Those MMOs, they'll get you. Yeah, so to give a little background, Lineage 2 is a, uh, a, uh, MMORPG, Lineage 2 Revolution, sorry, which is the... the there is a Lineage 2 MMORPG that's been around for 15 or so years. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So this is a new one. Yeah, developed by uh, Netmarble and licensed by NCSoft, who are the publishers of... Um, uh, no, I got that backwards. No, that's correct. That was correct? No. Netmarble is the developer. Netmarble has made a bunch of MMOs. Yeah. And NCSoft uh, owns the rights to Lineage. Lineage. Okay, so that's how... Yeah, and Netmarble did basically... Uh, the reason why I bring it up and the reason why I'm probably hooked on the game is, in my opinion, a perfect progression system for a game. So I haven't, I started out, it's it's very much like a like an auto quest. It's like the game pretty much runs on autopilot, especially with the first like 90 levels. Uh, it's a lot of just daily kind of tap, tap, tap. Your character auto quest does its thing, levels up, you get the gear. Um, but it's in terms of like that instant reward for achievements, it's perfect. It's like, it's just this constant slight incremental like increase. Like as soon as you need your next fix for a reward, it gives it to you? Yeah, it's like okay. a, it's like every, like you can, in one minute you can get so many little, it's like smoking cigarettes. Like right. every puff is this, you get like a, a you know, yep. dopamine shot to the brain. Yep. Uh, so it's perfect. And uh, what's been happening since though, the nice thing is the last, you know, I spent a lot of time bouncing between clans, which for a long time was totally irrelevant to the game. Uh, but What's great is recently they've added in um, like like actual uh, group quests, which you have mm -hmm. which take like maybe 15, 20 minutes to complete. You have to have a party. You have to be active. You can't just auto run. Um, and that's kind of cool. And then they also have uh, what are called like guild dungeons, which the only way to beat it is to get basically your entire guild, which for us is like 30, 40, 40 people or so. Okay. All on at the same time, all into the same instance, and all work together. Is there a cap to the number of people you can bring in? No, it's it's based on your guild level. Okay. So like if you if a lower level guild can have twenty five people, mm -hmm. a higher level guild can go up you know, from there. So ours our cap I think is like forty five. Okay. Um, so so you can, can bring in everybody. Yeah. They're all on. Yeah. We everybody okay. can jump in. And uh, the people who organize it are pretty strict with enforcing, you know, activity donation levels. So sounds pretty standard. Yeah, but that's what makes it, that's what makes it fun, and that's what surprised me about the game. Because when I first started playing it, I thought I just had another clicker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking speaking of how I got into this in the first place, uh, I kept seeing they did this big marketing push a few months ago when they brought the game because the game used to be just in South Korea, China, and Japan okay. uh, in early 2017. It released it in late 2017 in the U.S. And they did this big marketing campaign, and uh, Mr. Conan O'Brien, I saw him on a commercial pretending like he played the game, and I'm like, this, this guy doesn't fucking play Lineage 2. No, <laughs> he doesn't. But he was hawking it, <laughs> and, and in like a, in a, sad, a sad bit of like being influenced by this marketing, 
I knew I was being influenced by it. I knew they put Conan O'Brien because it's quote unquote speaks to my demographic. And I knew exactly what they were doing, and I still downloaded the game, and I'm still playing it. And totally I mean, Conan plays a bunch of games on his TV show that he makes clear he has no idea what's going on. <laughs> but it's fun to just kind of see an average person play these games that we're all so passionate about. Honestly, I've never actually watched any of those. Have They're you? pretty good. They are. Uh, yeah, a lot of them have been really funny. Uh, I mean, I watched The Witcher 1 like when Witcher 3 originally came out I was super hyped up about it and he did one for that but I didn't watch it until I finished the game just in case there were any spoilers at all because I was super into the game wanted Witcher 3 Witcher 3 yeah completely fresh playthrough but it was really good and I mean he doesn't really spoil anything but some of the stuff that comes up it's like like for those who haven't played Witcher 3 there's a lot of sex in the game and so that comes up in his playthrough and he's like this game is great. There's boobies everywhere. Uh, so, I mean, that's the kind of stuff you're going to expect from his uh, sort of playthroughs of games. Okay, and kind I, of ones. Yeah, and I assume the lineage one is pretty similar, but... Yeah, well, it's it's a... In terms of how silly it maybe is, maybe he did a different style than what he normally does for well, his it playthroughs. Was, so it wasn't one of his... His uh, his Twitch Twitch play, not Twitch plays, but Conan Let's Play. Yeah, it was, okay. It was more of a... Um, it was just a straight commercial. Oh, okay. Like he was oh, in, oh, they oop. paid him to be in It's a like commercial. a 30 second spot. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Wow. So it's even more like. <laughs> Interesting. Just, just overblown. <laughs> okay. Obvious, like, hawking. Right. It's like, I was paid money to try and convince you to play this game. Okay. Um, yeah, that. That's cool. <laughs> That's what got me into it. But no, it's funny, yeah. So I actually I did watch a few of those, the Conan Let's Play, but I forget what they called it. Yeah, I don't remember uh, what they're called. Um, I stopped watching him kind of because like the first few I saw, I felt like he wasn't, he, it was like he was somewhere between, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And also mm. this is ridiculous. And people are silly for playing video games in the first place. It's like, he was towing this line between kind of ridiculing people who play games, but like, he's like, he's too cool for it. Do you know what right. I'm trying to say? Yeah, I'm sure. Here, yeah. He clearly... Uh, on, and he probably still does that now. I don't watch it regularly, but clearly in his bits, is like this is kind of dumb. I don't really care about what I'm doing. Yeah, and he clearly doesn't have the same passion. But he's that's he doesn't. Yeah, that's it. He doesn't. He, he doesn't have passion for it for yeah. sure, and that's that's clear. But it's still kind of funny to see these games played from a different perspective. Like when you have a significant other or something play games, and yeah. you know, like. My wife doesn't care about games. I don't, I don't think your wife cares about games. <laughs> Not so much. So well, she did. Uh, we did start playing Friday the Thirteenth. Okay, uh, I guess that is a game that would work for her. And she she loves that game. Yeah. Um, and she got good at it too. So her and her brother started playing. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Friday the Thirteenth is a. Uh, it's like a, how do I, it's like a it's a it's a multiplayer game. It's a one versus many horror game. Right. right? Yeah. So it's like eight or nine one players. On fours. Oh, okay. So you can get eight players, okay. and you get one one person is going to be randomly chosen as Jason, and mm-hmm. the other seven are going to be campers, and you get to pick like your. There's a little bit of customization. There's right. a little bit of leveling up for the most part, and not not so much. Uh, it doesn't have that much influence, and then you you know you basically either run away from Jason or if you're Jason, you try to hack all the counselors to bits. Yep. And my wife, Erin, being the crazy horror fan that she is, uh, loves this game. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> something more up for Allie. <laughs> Immensely, uh, yeah. yeah, there's occasionally I get Rachel to play, to play something. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played Her Story, which is a really neat indie game. 
Endgame is sort of a loose term with what, it. What was it called? Her Story. H-E-R-S-T-O-R-Y? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I guess, a couple years old or so by now. And the basic premise of it is you're watching an interrogation of this woman who has been possibly accused of murder. Her husband is missing. They eventually, you find out that they find the body over a series of, like, two weeks of interrogation. And you're trying to figure out what happened by watching these interrogation clips. And so you start out with, like, five or ten interrogation clips. And from there, you take keywords that you hear that they say, Mm -hmm. and you type it into a database. And this police database will bring up any video that mentioned those words. And so you start with these five or ten videos or whatever, Mm -hmm. and she mentions husband or something. And so you search for husband. It's like, oh, here's three clips about husband. So you get a little more backstory about them and whatever. And so you slowly unfold this whole mystery and story and figure out exactly what happened over the course of the game. And the gameplay is literally just listen for keywords, type in what you think is going to be relevant to discovering the next step. And so the story can be kind of disjointed because you're going all over the place as you're typing in these keywords. Is that, so is that the only engagement you should like? That is the only... Just type in words and watch just videos? Just type in words. So that is the <laughs> gameplay element. Okay. Uh, but what's cool uh, in terms of playing it with a non-gaming wife is you can do it together on the couch. You can collaborate, say, hey, what... That's cool. What do we want to type in next? We start taking notes together. We're like, hey, this is what they've talked about. Yeah. And then you start piecing all the story together. And it's not like super clear and obvious. It's right. something that you have to piece together as you're playing the game and say, okay, we think this happened here. Oh, this clip was at this time. This clip was at this time. Mm-hmm. This has significance because X, Y, Z. What's What platform? It's on PC. I don't know that it's on anything else. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's an indie game, so I'm not sure that it would have made it. I mean, it's relatively popular, so it wouldn't completely surprise me if it was on PS4's indie network, but I know it was on PC, and it's, you know, it goes on sale for like 250 or something occasionally. But it is a fun co-op game to play with someone who doesn't play games too much. Okay. It's a good, a good, like, intro to indie gaming. Anything I can do to get Aaron to play more video games is... Yeah, that's, that's kind of that's kind of what I try to do. <laughs> I'll try to figure it out. That's what I had before Friday thirteen. I was like, yes, yeah. All right, so we, uh, briefly, we were telling me to bring back the lineage two. Yeah, let's do that. Um, yeah, so right now, so this is just going to be my weekly lineage two update se- segment. Uh, until like, until, like, <laughs> until you finally are like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm grinding this <laughs> yeah, much. What is wrong with me? <laughs> until they added a playtime counter, and I realized just how much time I was spent on the game. Um, yeah, so the, the question I have. So okay. I've played a ton of MMOs and okay. got to the point where I'm sort of tired of them because a lot of them have the same sort of grinding progression mechanics. Mm-hmm. Does the game actually have some sort of challenge to it where you go in and you're getting sort of a dynamic experience and overcoming some sort of challenge and being rewarded for it? Or is it like most MMOs where you're like, okay, we've sort of figured it out. Let's just put in the time and get our rewards. Uh, I would say neither. Okay. It's even uh, dumber than the second one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just we need to be here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just don't be a complete idiot in how you okay. queued up your skills or equipment. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, that's not unexpected. 
It's so, it's so dumb. <laughs> but I think for, if anyone's played a ton of MMOs or a few MMO RPGs, yeah. you realize end of the game you're just sort of doing something on rotation, awesome. yeah. right? And even if it's challenging the first time, the point is to get to the where it's not challenging. And you can do it sort of mindlessly. You just have to be there and get your reward. Yeah. So the, it's it's. I mean, all the skills are basically on auto auto run. Okay. You don't you don't cast your own skills. You queue them up. You let you choose right. the ones you level. You line up the ones you think will be good, and then you know you the most you can do with your gear is like. There's two different kinds of of gear per character, so you could pick like based on how you want to focus your stats. You you can go in and change all the stats on everything. Right. Um. But surely there's an optimal build. Yeah, for any any given like character class. Right. Uh, but you know what? But you know one of the fun parts though. Uh, last Friday, and we got another one coming this Friday. They had now have like this fortress mode where two clans basically fight each other and over mm-hmm. control of our fortress. And if you win, then you get like a whole bunch of rewards for a week. And um, it's kind of fun because I've, I've played it a couple times and a couple. You know, there are a few like random ones I did. Right. I won the first one, but it took a long time. Lost the second one, but it took a long time. It's a lot of like trying to organize like fifty people against another right. fifty people. That's cool. Um, yeah, which is which is big. And then so my clan, I finally, you know, this clan I'm in, we did one. Uh, Shout to Cherry Blossoms. That's the it's a super cool name of our clan. That's great. Yeah, they're uh, but you know we're ranked they're they're ranked pretty high. I can't I keep saying we like I contribute to the clan. They're all most of them are all like max level. Sure. Uh, they just I just like barely do enough to stay in the clan. Um so <laughs> we we just steamrolled this other group. Um we went up in on Friday in like minutes is all it took. Right. Uh but it's because we were all super organized and you know everybody broke into groups. Every group was like kind of had the right mix of characters and everybody knew who was calling the shots and then everybody right. followed it and we just Lineage was one of the first MMORPG uh, series that added these castle sieges. Oh, yeah? like, it's pretty darn popular. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, because the original Lineage is from the late 90s or something is when it originally came out. Yeah. So it's been around forever. I did not know that. And yeah, Lineage 2, part of the really cool thing was you get your clan together and you go fight over cities and castles and fortresses. Is that like Guild and you Wars get taxes and 2? stuff. Guild Wars 2, you have your own, like it has an instanced area where you have your three factions that fight each other, and you can take over castles and stuff, and it helps in that game world, that Mm -hmm. instanced game world, but it's not quite the same because even though guilds can claim territories in Guild Wars 2, it's sort of fleeting because a match is two weeks and it just contributes to... (laughs) winning that match, and I can't remember exactly what it gives you outside of that for that guild specifically, but it just wasn't as satisfying as taking over a castle in Lineage 2, because it's your castle until somebody takes it from you gotcha. for the rest of time. Oh, okay. Uh, and I, there may have been a cap on only being able to control one at a time. I'm not 100% sure. But regardless, you had your castle and you got taxes and you got other benefits from it. And so it had this really cool, hey, we just own this piece of land now. This is ours. Come after us and get wrecked. Because there's open PvP in yeah. the game. So you could just also fight each other wherever you wanted. Two things I should go play Lineage 2 now. No, well, probably not because it's super grindy. <laughs> I, don't, I think they've made it better. But when Lineage 2 first came out, yeah. 
it, like getting to level twenty was probably the equivalent of getting to max level in World of Warcraft. Yikes. Like in terms of how long it took to Yikes. get anywhere. It was and it was just mindless grinding. It was just literally like most Asian MMORPGs, yeah. just go to a spot, kill monsters for several hours, level up, go kill slightly different shaded colored Auto, monsters. Autoplay, yeah. I mean, and it's I like, it. yeah, it's not necessarily an autoplay, but it's pretty darn mindless, and right. so it may as well be. So, at least the mobile games, they have the autoplay, so you don't have to do the mindless stuff. Yeah, because it's, so it's, it's all grinding, but it's right. just, there's like, I've never played a game where it had, so basically it all comes down to CP combat power. Like that's the num that's like the number. Right. right? And, Everything so mine is like four hundred and fifteen thousand, right? Right. I'm like level one thirty seven or something. Okay. And uh, everything you do, like everything you do, in, in, like increases it incrementally, like five points, ten points, sixty points, two hundred sure. points at a time, three hundred points at a time. Occasionally, maybe a thousand points at a time, but it's yeah. usually like these little. You just you know you'll do fifteen different tasks in a session, and each one will bump it up in a bit. Yeah, that's anyway, the yeah. easiest way to balance those MMOs anyway. I mean, they all come down to numbers, so. Yeah. Alright, well, that's, that's me and Lineage 2. I'll let you know if well, I'm still playing it next week. Okay, well, uh, yeah, what, I, hope, what, I hope not for your sake, but. <laughs> what are you, uh, so what are you so, playing right now? So I'm gonna finish, start with, uh, a game that, unlike Lineage, is an incredible game, uh, <laughs> that I just finally finished last week, which is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I thought, I thought we agreed that all Legend of Zelda games suck. No, <laughs> I do not agree with something to that. You're gonna, uh, everyone's going to hate me for this, but I've I've never actually played one. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> Breath of the Wild is the one you need to start right. with. So, I'm not a huge Zelda fan. Uh, the For whatever reason, the genre just never really super grabbed me. I mean, I, I beat A Link to the Past, I beat the original <laughs> Zelda on Nintendo, Ocarina of Time, but... All of them were games. It's like I enjoyed this, but I don't necessarily have like the crazy fondest memories of. Yeah, I think just like the mix of progression and gameplay and puzzles and stuff was just not something that necessarily grabbed me or hooked me for some reason. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can't really say anything necessarily bad about them, uh, other than the stories are not super interesting typically characters aren't super interesting with the exception of a few of the Zelda games like Ocarina of Time kind of fixed that a little bit but at the time when I was playing the Zelda games it was super into RPGs so going from an RPG that is super story intensive with characters that you really care about to mm -hmm. Zelda you're like I don't really care about Great, there's a fairy or whatever. The yeah. old, the old Deku tree. Limited character development. Is more, uh, was this all right, so was this the one that where so, Link turns into like you can go like two D? Uh, oh, it's a Mario game. That's uh, Link can go two D in one of the handheld Zelda games. Okay, yeah, uh, I, I can't remember which. One. I mean, there's you know fifteen, twenty Zelda games or whatever, so probably more. Thirty, fifty. But, yeah, so so I don't know this series super, super well, and I super don't know the, the handheld ones very well, but Breath of the Wild was awesome, and I don't like, I mean, it's incredible, I don't particularly love Zelda games, I don't particularly love open world games, yeah. Breath of the Wild is one of my top ten games of all time. And it's both a Zelda game and an open and world game. Right, so I think, I mean, from my perspective, speaks to how good the game is. So what makes it? And I think there's a lot of aspects that make the game truly interesting and fun to play over a lot of these other open world games, and I think it alleviates a lot of the problems that I have with games like, I know you like Skyrim, but I don't like Skyrim very much, or any of the Elder Scrolls games. I'm not a big fan of, like, GTA. Love Skyrim. Uh, Love GTA. Yeah, so, like, a lot of these problems get alleviated. So, 
kind of going into why, I think the exploration element is really cool. You kind of start off with this blank world map, and you are just trying to figure out somewhere to go so you can do these little shrines, and more on that later, to kind of open up the map <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, go yeah. to the shrines in a little bit. But basically, <laughs> it starts with the exploration element. Yeah. And you can go anywhere. So the freedom of movement is super impressive because normally when you see a mountain in like an Elder Scrolls game, you're like, well, can't go there. I just, there's a mountain there. And that's changed a little bit with some of the newer ones with yeah, being able Skyrim to get stuff. If you see it, you typically see it. But you have to like walk up the mountain. So Zelda, you can climb up the mountain. So... You don't have to find a path. You just sort of make your own path. Okay. And the thing you're limited by is your stamina. And you start out with not a lot of stamina in the game. So if you see a super tall mountain, you're not going to be able to climb it because you're going to fall off because you've run out of stamina. Okay. But as the game progresses, you'll slowly get more and more stamina and whatnot. Uh, so you can go up these bigger mountains. But there's always kind of another way around, and you can figure out some way of getting to where you want to go, typically. Just how hard you want to make it on yourself. But you have all of these different places to go to, and they have the right amount of cool stuff density mm -hmm. to cool on just exploring a world. Cool stuff density? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. the cool. The, this is a very CSD, important quotient. Right. CSD. So, high when you're, CSD. When you're going around, you're like, hey, I found this little camp of monsters, and they've got a treasure chest, and we we'll go do that. All right, now I get to like wander for a little bit, take in the scenery. Oh, now there's some other little quest I can go on and do something. And so it hits those sweet spots pretty well. And the game, when you're interacting with it, feels very lifelike. So, at least in terms of how video games typically feel. So you might see a beehive over a camp of enemies, and you shoot down the beehive, the beehive, all the bees start chasing all the enemies, now it's super easy to kill them. Uh, you might have different areas of the world where... You can use some of your abilities that you get through the kind of main quest of the game to access areas you might not be able to normally access. So, like, one is to create an ice pillar out of water, mm -hmm. and you might use that to get up a little bit higher to get a treasure chest or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And so you're kind of thinking the whole time, how can I interact with the world in a way that typically most of these games is go swing your sword at something until it dies or go shoot your gun until it dies. Yeah. This, it's like... How do I want to approach this problem, and what's the best way? I have actually a lot of tools that I may not even initially be thinking about yeah. to solve these things. And that's what's really cool is that Zelda brings like this puzzle tactical element to the open world that typically doesn't exist. Uh, and even like open world games like The Witcher 3, which I love, mm -hmm. it's doesn't have that, right? Most most of the things you go to, you, you fight. Yeah. There's a little bit of preparation for how you fight your monsters and whatnot, but it's not the same as Zelda where it's a, here is a blank slate of options. What do you want to do? Not, this is the right way to do it. You right. figure it out. That's um, cool. Maybe play, what platform is it on? It's on Switch and Wii U. Okay. So I have neither. Not, not, not a lot of options, but uh, it's great. And so... Uh, that whole way of playing feeds into a, a really cool s series of progression that uh, is really well paced. So, like talking about lineage, where like your pacing of how you're increasing your stuff, yeah, the is, reward system is like okay, I'm ready for my next fix. Yeah, uh, Zelda does that really well too, but I think a little bit more of a skill rewarding 
way. So you find different weapons in the world, and one thing I really love is that weapons break when you use I, them. I think you were telling me about this the other day. It's, yeah. It's where no matter what, your weapon is going to break eventually. You right. can repair them, though? Or? You can't repair them. Okay, so your you weapons break. Your armors yeah. never break, but your weapons do break. So, so encouraged to use a lot of different weapons. In the right. Game. That's nice. I, I tend to get, like... I have to catch myself sometimes if I'm playing a game and I find a weapon that works. Right. I stop experimenting. Right. Why like, you're like, this works for everything. Yeah. Why would I change? Exactly. Why would I try anything different? And, uh, you know, I, I sometimes force myself to try different things just to explore the options. But, right. Yeah. If, it, if every weapon you get is guaranteed to break, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, makes it kind of push you out. Yeah. And the other thing that's cool is you have sort of these classes of weapons. You have, like, your big clubs, your two-handed swords, your one-handed swords which are used with shields, and so on. And so each of those have different uses. You know, you might have an enemy that you're fighting that has really long reach, so you want to use a spear, because otherwise it's hard to kind of get in and fight them. Yeah, you know, so that might be an example. Or, or they have a slower attack, so you want to use your sword because it's a faster attack, so that you're not going to get hit, and you can counterattack them or something. So it's basically pick your weapon for the enemy. So you're picking your weapon for the enemy, and you have this whole suite of weapons. You can only carry like seven or eight or whatever at a time. And you can choose, hey, this is what I want to use, but I might break it. I mean, it's my only spear. Do I want to break it? It's a pretty darn good weapon, but yeah. it's the best one for the situation. And the game's not, I mean, as you play the game and you get, you know, 40 hours in, it's not super challenging necessarily anymore, but you're still thinking about those things and it's mm-hmm. still an engaging activity. And so you're getting these weapons as like little rewards throughout the game. And then you're doing the shrines, which we've come back to now. Which all right, is, yeah. There's like 120 something shrines in the game. I think 128 with all the DLC. Okay. And each of these shrines is a little mini dungeon. Okay. It's usually a puzzle that will take, you know, anywhere from like five to 20 minutes to solve. Are they designed or are they random? They are designed. Okay. So and they are really diverse. Okay. You don't really see the same puzzle. You'll see like bits and pieces. Yeah. But it's actually incredible how interesting and varied all the little puzzles are. Sometimes a few of them are just fighting like these little mini bosses. Okay. But for the most part, they're puzzles. And I'm not a huge puzzle guy necessarily, but Zelda strikes that right balance for me of like, this puzzle's not super complicated, but it's enough that I'm like, okay, I gotta think about this a little bit. And okay, now I got it. And it usually works that you're solving it with all the tools that you've been given over the game. Mm-hmm. And it's just coming up with new ways of using those tools. And so the whole game is constantly, how do I want to use these tools in new and interesting ways? And it never gets, well, it takes a long time, I should say, for it to ever get rote and boring. Okay. So it doesn't repeat. Right. Okay. That's and cool. so this whole game is just always about, when I think what the Zelda series is kind of about in general is discovery and exploration and adventure. Yeah. And that doesn't really stop. <laughs> like See, that's the, the amount that they can put into it and continue that I thought made the game incredible. And like I said, it's a top ten game for me and I think that's why. Yeah, it's and I because I hate if I'm gonna spend money on a game, you know, it needs to be I wanna feel like I'm getting my money's worth. If that make, I mean I feel sure. like anybody does that, but you know uh, with the with lineage two to I'm not go back to it, but that was free. It's free to play. Like right. any free to play game, I don't, I don't get so bothered by any sort of repetitive repetitiveness to it. I think that's just part of the game. It's part of the trade off because ultimately they want to push you into the you know pay to play. They want you to buy something, right? Right. But if I've already spent fifty, sixty bucks on a game, you know it needs to be. It, it, if it gets too repetitive too quick, I feel like it's a, it's a waste of money. 
Right. Like they've, they've cheated somehow. Because instead of having, like, spent time designing, like you're talking about, all these individual unique puzzles, great progression over a long period of time, if it's just, okay, you know, you spent 60 bucks on this game, now just do the same task, or, like, I'm two hours in, right. it's like, well, that's it, there's nothing new, no new mechanics. <laughs> You've seen the whole game. Yeah, all we're going to do is just incrementally make it a little more difficult each step. You're like, that's, but it's essentially the same thing over and over. Yeah, that sucks. It is interesting. I mean, you kind of bring out this dollar value of games. Yeah. Uh, one thing I've really started thinking about, though, in terms of my games is just how much is it worth my time? Because your time has dollar values, too, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, we're both busy, you know, we both are independently employed. Yeah. Uh, and so Which we, allows us to meet up at 10 a.m. on a so we, we can talk, talk at 10 a.m. over coffee because <laughs> uh, we're going to work later instead. Yeah. Uh, so there's good and bad to that, but it really, I've really started to assess the amount of time games take and whether games are worth my time. Yeah. I mean, I play primarily on the PC, and there are games that are constantly either being given out for free, like Twitch, I don't know if you've seen this, Twitch Amazon Prime. So Amazon owns Twitch. Oh, okay. Right? And they do, like, free giveaways, like, every month of games that are pretty good. Really? Uh, yeah. You have, to have an Amazon Prime subscription? To- so you just have to have an Amazon Prime subscription, and then you just get them for free. Free games. Yeah. Uh, like... I played, uh, well, one game I'm really excited about playing is Shadow Tactics. We're not sponsored by Amazon. By We're not, yeah. <laughs> so that's, just, that's just their reach. It's yep. just like, here's a $15 game for free. Here's yeah. a $20 game for free. Uh, it's pretty crazy that you can get these games for free, but is it worth my time necessarily? So I'm super strict on the games that I play now because yeah. I... No, I'm only going to have so much time to play them. I'm getting them for cheap or free. Or like Humble Bundle does super cheap bundles, right, of games. Same, yeah. Sort of same thing. I've got a huge Steam library of games I've never even touched. Because right. they're free or I got them in a bundle. Right. You know, something else. Like yeah, and it comes down to if I can only play games for X number of hours in a week, right. i got to be careful with what I'm picking, what right. I'm playing. That's yeah. exactly what I'm going with right now. Yeah. So. Which is also having sucked into a lot of mobile games because that's something I can any any game that is I can log in for five minutes and accomplish something right while I'm like waiting on the on the train or I'm you know at work or, or use the bathroom yep. <laughs> yeah that's exactly what it's for yeah then I'm able so that's you know those games are the ones I've been sinking them ironically well, not ironically but you know I've been sinking the most time into right it. even though they're not. Necessarily good games. They just don't require me to sit down and say, okay, the next hour, the next two hours, the next three hours, this is what I'm playing. Yeah, and that's why mobile games are just growing and growing because oh, yeah. being able to play for five minutes while you're out and about yeah. is a, a benefit to the game. So, uh, Legend, Legend of Zelda, what was it? Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. Very good. All right. Yeah, so what do you got besides lineage that you're into? Uh, I've got a, well, I've got a story before I get to... Uh, okay. Uh, so, so this weekend, uh, it was Easter weekend, we went out to my cousin, sure. my mother-in-law's cousin's ranch. Yep. And uh, he's got a son, Jack, who's 15, and uh, his buddy were over there, and his buddy brought over an Xbox <clears> One. Okay. I think. That's Xbox One S. Xbox One S is S. the newest. Yeah. So he's an Xbox One S, and I get over there, and, uh, you know, I go, you know... 
uh, even though I'm, I'm technically an adult, uh, all the adults mm-hmm. are hanging out, and I go <laughs> to Jack's room because they're playing video games. And I'm like, I think I want to do that. That's the fun room. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, who cares what you are? Go to the fun room. Yeah, so I go up there, and uh, they're playing Halo 5. And so I, you know, I'm like, hey, can I jump in? So I jump in on Halo 5, and it's, it's you know, it's same as all the other ones, except uh, it just looks prettier and has more guns. Mm-hmm. Like, way more guns. Like, the, the, my second match, the first match did all right. It, it, I, I managed to be positive in my kill-to-death ratio, mm-hmm. uh, which felt good, because I was, like, in front of these two kids, and for some reason I felt like I had to prove myself. Of course, uh, yeah. I was like, let, me, let, me, let me show these youngins how Yeah, I'm like, let me show them what's up. Like, they, they need to know that I at least kind of know what I'm doing. Right. Like, back, back in my, well, that's the back of my day. Back in my part. day. Yeah, so we were talking about it, and uh, but in terms of the guns, you know, I was playing um, this match, I forget this, the name of it, but... Uh, well, anyways, um, it, you would spawn with some special weapon every okay. time, so you'd have to go find it. And what I found is every time I spawned, I'd have to look at this kid and be like, okay, what does this one do? <laughs> and he would rattle off like the stats and what kind of attack it was and how to use it. Uh, you know, like, man, i got a long way to go here. Um, but we're talking about you know, Halo 1. I was telling him, like, yeah, I remember when Halo 1 first came out. I remember when Halo 3 came out. And uh, my roommate at the time, Matt Busby, who we both we both right. built from elementary school as well. Yep, and forever. Uh, we went to the midnight release and uh, took a photo with someone dressed up as, as a Sarge. Master, 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 Master Chief. Chief. Yeah. yeah. And, um, sorry, Sarge is from uh, Red versus Blue. That's Right. <laughs> that's just close, yeah. but it's like, not quite. Uh, yeah, but Master Chief, and then we proceeded, we went back to our apartment and proceeded to play the entire game beginning to end in one sitting. Is it... Do they have co-op for that? Yeah, okay. yeah. So it's a co-op. It's a co-op single-player campaign. Well, not single-player campaign, but co-op sure. campaign mode. And uh, so we both took off work the next day, so we could go <laughs> to the midnight release, go back to the apartment, and boot it up and play the entire thing. That's awesome. Yeah, and we did. We finished. I think that's it. what's really cool about games. You can have a really cool memory like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the so I wanted to play split screen with because Halo's always had split screen. Sure. Apparently, until Halo Five, Halo Five no longer has split screen. Wow. Uh, I don't know. I guess I feel like nobody plays on the same TV anymore. It's crazy. Yeah, I was really mad about that. But so I mean, the point of the story is they they were you know I was talking about it. it's like oh I remember Halo went back in the day and you know pistol sniping and then I told them sort of Halo three right. and and uh, one the one kid looks at me and goes what what year were you born in <laughs> and I was like uh, I was like, oh no, because I've been literally saying things like, I mean, I was making fun of myself for saying back in the day, yeah. back in my day when video games were blah, blah, blah. But but uh, now it's yeah. time to reveal the truth. And then he looked at me and goes, well, how old are you? I said, well, I was born, when were you reborn? I said, well, I was born in 1984. <laughs> and I was like, that's not that long ago, right? It's not so bad. He goes, wow, that is so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was born in after 2000. I know. Right? So, so it's like... like Oh man, you're like a century older than him. I'm twice, I realize, yeah, I'm twice his, more than twice his age. More than twice his age. Yeah. For those counting, I'll be 34 in two days. That's what yeah. I'm, oh, that's true. Yeah, wow. yeah. yeah uh, still playing video games as you should be. <laughs> that's what I'm planning on doing until I die. Yeah, so this kid. I mean, it was fun. So we played Halo Five for a bit, but I just couldn't believe. I like, I couldn't believe I was sitting there doing the. The, uh, back, in, back in my day, you could pistol snipe a guy from across well, the map. <laughs> I think one thing that's cool about that is, I, I don't know, like on the family dynamic, but yeah. typically if I see a 15-year-old who's part of a family or whatever, I don't have very much to talk to them about. Yeah. Right? So 
games have a way of bringing different generations together over a shared topic that they might not normally have. Yeah. Because we're at a different stage of life than they are by a very grand scale, right? There's like several stages of life in between 15 and 34. Right. And (laughs) games are one of the very few things that can bridge those generations in a very quick manner and get a shared topic. Yeah. Right? Which is cool. I, I mean... We, we, I remember one time I was over there and we were, have you ever seen the, the Game Grumps, the YouTube channel? Yeah, so, I've seen it. So I brought it up and mm-hmm. I was like, you guys need to watch this old Game Grumps video. It's the one where, uh, back when John, John Tron was still on the show mm-hmm. before, uh, Matt came and replaced him, I think. It was okay. Aaron and John. And, uh, Dan, sorry, when Dan came to replace him, yeah. And, um, it's the Sonic the Hedgehog one, the infamous Sonic the Hedgehog one where the game glitches out. Okay. And they, they lose their minds. And it's, I, I remember I was watching it at work and I was having to like hold my breath because I was laughing so hard. That's awesome. Uh, it's, the game glitches out and they just, Aaron and John just take it to this next, next level play. Anyway, so they, but the cool thing was we were talking about it and I brought it up and they go, oh yeah, Game Grumps, we watched that too. And I was like, that's really cool. Well, it's, it is, or I'm watching the same YouTube channel that's 15 year old. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You can look at it either way. I'm going to go with your interpretation that it's... I think it's cool. It's cool that video games carry across generations. I think I think even to the YouTube channels that are clearly more geared towards younger audiences, like like PewDiePie and Markiplier, yeah. that are like, yeah, it's going to be a pretty young audience. I, can, I still know who they are, and I kind of keep up with them, and... You know, some of their more maybe illicit activities as things go on because those kind of pop up because everyone wants to bring down the big guy or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, even if I'm not actively watching any of those channels, it's still something that if there's a 15-year-old who is watching them, I know who it is. And it's something that can be discussed and talked about and have a conversation between those generations that might lead to different sorts of topics yeah. that wouldn't otherwise. Because yeah. where, where do you start with a high schooler? Especially if you know we don't have high school kids, it's not something we normally relate to. Right? Uh, where do you? How do you do that? So I think games are pretty cool from that perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. The one thing, one thing I always think about is uh, you know when we were kids. You know, the, the thought at the time was, because at the time, like, video games were still relatively new. Like, a, no adult played right. games, unless you were just, Very like, few. you're hardcore on Atari or you're a developer. Right. Uh, or Nintendo. Yeah, no, to, and to say, just to reiterate how, how old I felt, he looked at me and goes, was Xbox 360 the first Xbox? <laughs> I was <just> like, no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there was an Xbox. Before that, and that remember when Xbox came out, it was like yeah. this is amazing. Wow. This is the future. <laughs> they don't even remember. They have no idea. Yeah. So, but I always thought, you know, the, the, the sentiment was that you would grow up, you'd grow out of video games. Right. Um, but what really happened is video games grew up with us because we watched right. those games become more mature, take on heavier topics, especially in the last like ten years. They uh, really pretty, evolved. Yeah. So indie games are bordering. You know, they start bordering on, you know, uh, well, something more, something more than just a game, like a piece, right. of, piece of interactive I, artwork. And that's something I actually get frustrated with, in a way, with gamers who say, games are better back in the day. They were better 15 years ago. Just yeah, there are a few good, really good games that hold up. Yeah. For the most part, games in the past, like, eight years or so, ten years, mm-hmm. are way better than the 20 years preceding it. 
Yeah. I think for the most part, you just got to say, like, game designers have gotten better at gameplay, at story, characters, at putting together these pieces together that basically have been learned from the games that came before it to create better and better products. Uh, I think movies and TV are pretty similar, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so... I have been super happy to be a gamer, and it's definitely something that appeals to me as someone who likes to, to yeah. interact with whatever the medium is that I'm doing. I mean, I like, I like sports. I've always liked games, right? So I like sports and board games and video games. I like yeah. doing something and getting better at stuff and being rewarded for the time that I'm putting in as opposed to, I mean, I like books and I like movies and whatnot too, but they have a different way of interacting with them Mm -hmm. that makes them less rewarding and more kind of just fun to watch. Yeah. Well, I've got one more thing on my list that I want to gripe about. Okay. Uh, And then I'll jump back to you. Okay. Uh, Go go ahead and gripe. I'm going to gripe for a second. So there's a game called uh, City Skylines. Okay. Which, um, in my opinion, is one of the best city builder sims to ever and you really like that genre. Dude, like I you played, played a crap load of SimCity when we were kids. Yeah, uh, SimCity. It was ridiculous. SimCity. <laughs> SimCity 2000. SimCity 2000. That was the one I sunk absurd amounts of time into. Yeah. Uh, and then SimCity. <laughs> Rip Maxis. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, SimCity 4. And I, Rush Hour. You got. You really have to include yeah. the Rush Hour expansion. But SimCity 4 Rush Hour, I think, is the best one they've ever made. Okay. And one also one of the best city building sims to ever be created. Okay. And I'm uh, sure there are these old school people who are like, no, SimCity 2000 is the best. <laughs> but but you're, I think you're probably right. Well, they're wrong. I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> probably right. Yeah. So, uh, but the um, the the next, I think it was the next one, but SimCity came out. And you, everybody remembers yeah. the big debacle here. Right, because it was like you had to be online to play the game or something. Which ended up being total bullshit. Right. Uh, and I remember I, I got into the beta test, which is one of the few times I've ever gotten like an early, true early beta test of a game. And I'm playing it, and the map was tiny. It it, <laughs> it had to be online. Right. And I quickly realized that, that it wasn't, you know, it, the, simu- the simulation, and this has been talked at length, so I won't go into too much detail, but basically... It, nothing was being simulated. Like, people weren't actually being simulated. Things okay. weren't actually being simulated. It was just like a graphical thing dropped on sort right. of like a more generic thing. And we later realized it's because they just wanted to be, you know, the kindergarten version of the game. They wanted more, they, they're trying to appeal to a mass audience, mass audience that was online and wanted some sort of multiplayer experience. But like, that's not what city builders are. They're not supposed to be multiplayer games. They're supposed to be sure. you sitting there and geeking out over road plans and you know Right. You don't care about someone else's city. I don't care. Yeah, that's not why I'm playing the game. Right. So so but at the same time City Skylines comes out and it was basically everything that SimCity was not. Okay. And it had all, it had it all there. And so But I, now they betrayed you somehow. Okay, they betrayed me somehow. That's right. So let me get to that. Uh, so I played it I played that game for Really, really long time. I've really enjoyed it. And recently, I got like, stuck in a YouTube hole of City Skylines videos. And I was like, oh, you know what? Let me go back and check out the game. I have, I have a minute. So I'm, I'm at my computer and I boot up Steam and I download the update and I launch the game and it runs like garbage. <laughs> no. This is the same computer that I, like, nothing's right. changed. Uh, I mean, it, I did get bumped up to Windows 10, so that may be, but I'm pretty sure I played it with Windows 10 and it was working okay. fine. So, same rig, nothing has changed. It's the same game. I haven't downloaded. I haven't even downloaded all the expansions. Which, when I started looking at them, looked super cool. And I'm like extra mad this happened. So, 
I, I don't know if it's like similar to forced, you know, what a forced obsolescence, like what sure. Apple does with their products, which right. like recently got busted for like habit. Yeah, that doing battery it. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it's like, so I get on the forums and it's like, cause I'm like, Hey, what's going on? So I try it. Well, sorry. First I restarted the computer. Sure. Then I uninstalled the game, reinstalled the game. Normal stuff. Then I checked through all my drivers, some my graphic drivers. Uh, almost broke my graphics card. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Fun. Got yeah. it back working. Uh, good. <laughs> then I, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and then I went to the forums and I, I started, well, I did some Google searches and I couldn't really find any answers. And other than other people complaining about the problem. So I went on the Steam forums and posted about it. And a couple people came in and said, it's running great for me. And then a couple people all came in and said, yep, we have the same problem. The game is now unplayable. Uh, as they've released more expansions and more up, more patches, for instance, yeah. uh, the game has become slower and slower. But basically, the, the people put it in terms of max population. Like, sure. I could run a city of 100,000, and then it became 80,000, and then it became 60,000. And now, when I have a city of 40,000, it lags out. And for me, I can't even start a game. It, so, it loads and it's just they have super choppy. No idea how to optimize any of their additional content. It is so it sounds like. poorly optimized. It used to run so, and the really frustrating thing is, it used to run super well, and I had a huge city. Yeah, um, and it, it was smooth, smooth as butter. Can you man. revert the version? Um, Can you play? I mean, it'd be crappy because you can't play with the DLC, but... Well, no, that's what I'm saying, is I reinstalled the game, just the vanilla game. Right. And it's still... But you might be able to... Some games, I don't think very many. Uh, I know, like, one of the... A lot of the Paradox games, like the Crusader Kings, you know, Europa yes. Universalis, you Step can play down. older versions of games. Yeah. So, usually it's for compatibility issues, but sometimes it's just like, I just want to play an old version of the game. Yeah. So maybe they have that. I know yeah, I, Paradox publishes City Skylines, but maybe. they're I not the developer. See it, but yeah. But anyways, I'll, I'll that might be the only other thing. If anybody listening has any solutions, I would love to play <laughs> my favorite game. That is really frustrating. By <laughs> I mean, other computer, people definitely, rightfully so, complain when their game sort of gets ruined. Yeah. And it's more common with like MMOs, right? Because those are constantly evolving. Right. But to take a single player game and just break it. And that's and the incredible thing is it's not it's not like subtle. It went from a huge city that ran smoothly to you launch a new map and it can barely function. You, it's unplayable. The the, the yeah. time between and mate that is strange, especially if nobody has any solutions. Yeah, every, I mean everybody just said the same thing. It's just, and maybe it's my computer. Maybe it hopefully maybe my computer's breaking down. It's an old computer. Maybe, um, but I don't. That's not really how that works. So yeah, I mean I've had my computer for. Six years or something, and I mean, I've done a few upgrades here and there, but it plays everything it used to at the same speed. It's always played it. Yeah. So, so City Skylines, fix fix your shit. That's that's crappy. I mean, losing your favorite game. Yeah. To something that you didn't do. All right, let's kick it back over to you. Um, yeah. So I guess one other game I finished last week. So is it like the last hour of a couple games? Okay. The last few hours. Dude, I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. just sort of worked out that way. Well, one game was really short that I finished. Okay. Uh, it's called Layers of Fear, and of fear. it's a I've horror game. Okay. Uh, so I like horror genre in general. Like like you and your wife. I like my. And, but don't include me. In well, that. you <laughs> pay attention to them with her. I, yeah, that's a good way to put so, it. So <laughs> you're at least involved uh, more than like one of our other friends, Jeff, who runs away <laughs> in a yeah. little horror film. Yeah. So <laughs> you're at least better than that. Didn't y'all once trick him into seeing the, r- the ring? 
Yeah, oh, it was yeah, the ring. I, think so. I, didn't, I wasn't there, but I think so. Yeah, yeah. he wasn't paying attention. Everybody said it was a new Harry Potter movie. <laughs> and for whatever reason, he was just not paying attention <laughs> to the ticket in his hand or the theater they were walking into oh, yeah. until the movie started. <laughs> so good. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. yeah, so uh, I, I love horror. My wife, Rachel, also really likes horror, too. And so play this game, Layers of Fear. Mm-hmm. And what's cool about it from a lot of other horror is that it's a psychological horror. So there's not like a big monster chasing you. There's no alien. There's no ghosts or whatever. It's all in your head, right? Or in the character's head. Okay. And so you're walking around and like, uh, without, you know, spoiling things, the house that you're in, you're in the house of the whole game, sort of changes based on your mindset and your sort of descent into madness. And you are an artist who is trying to create this masterpiece. And creating this masterpiece has a whole lot of backstory that you figure out as you play the game. And so it's pretty cool going through it. The scares are kind of get a little edgier and edgier as the game goes on. And there's definitely some jump scares, but it primarily has the sense of dread that I think makes horror really good. That you're just constantly like tense because you don't know what the heck is going to happen. And things that maybe aren't jump out at you scary, but are a little bit more eerie scary, like a painting in the background changes from like a woman to some guy with fangs or whatever. These things aren't necessarily going to make you go, oh God, just some monster jumped out at me, but it sets this tone that just sets you at un, uh, kind of a sense of unease. There's tension. There's a lot of tension in there. Yeah, jump scares are easy and cheap. Right. And, and, and it they're can, fine. It can be, it can be, it's a tool that can be used. Right. It just sucks when they get overused. Right. If that's the entire game, you're like, okay. Another jump scare. Cool. Yeah. Right. So, so this does that pretty well. Uh, you know, the problem, so I just finished, it's like a two or three hour game and I finished it. Fun game. Not a lot of gameplay to it. Uh, but I thought it was cool how they did the psychological horror element. Yeah. And we're back. Yeah, that was crazy. What a great break that was. There was so much partying. You guys missed out, but we're gonna, we're gonna make it up to you. Alright, so, um. Great Great conversations. Let's kick it back (laughs) over to you. I know you got at least one more thing on your list there. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, So, one thing I've been really big into, and you kind of brought up a tangential product, uh, which is fighting games. Okay. I've been really big into fighting games. That's been something that I've kind of gone back to my roots as a Street Fighter II player back in, I don't know, third grade or whatever, when you'd have people come over and SNES yeah, play play games with you, and you said you were playing some For Honor, which I do want to talk about as well a little bit. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, because y'all did the Dragon Ball Z. So, yeah, so this past weekend had just a small number of people over, and we played this new fighting game called uh, Dragon Ball Fighters. Okay. And it is... A fighting game based on Dragon Ball, as you <laughs> might guess. Uh, yeah, and so the neat thing is it's a three-on-three game, so you pick three characters for your team. Oh, okay. person picks three characters, and each character has their own assist, so they can be called in for like a split-second attack to kind of either help alleviate pressure from your opponent or to 
kind of work in a new combo or so you're swapping between the you're three. swapping between them and sometimes you might just actually call them in for a full-on swap so you have you know, for those familiar with the show goku and gohan are two pretty important characters so you might say okay well goku's i'm gonna swap in gohan because yeah. goku's running low on life or do, whatever did you watch dragon ball z is that a show I you do watch it yeah okay uh I started watching Dragon Ball Super is the new series that they're on. So I've been watching the English dub of that. So here's, here's I'm going to admit another thing that's mm-hmm. going to drive people crazy. Okay. I have never watched Dragon Ball Z either. You know, <laughs> it's really funny talking to people that have either grew up with it or that just never got into it or watched it. Do you watch other anime? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I do. Um, I most recently watched Berserk, which was okay. deeply troubling. That was really good, but yeah. oh, man, that just hurt my soul. But yeah, it's it, a pretty adult anime. Isn't very it? adult anime. Okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, but Dragon Ball Z though, I mean, it's I know it because it's you have to. It permeates culture. Yeah, it's like Star Wars. You, you if you've right. never seen Star Wars, you you still know everything about it. Right, right. You still uh, know Luke and Darth Vader and all that. Yeah, so I get like there's Super Saiyan and people scream a lot and explode into energy and right. the air changes color and then they right. do earth shattering punches in their right. Other the spaces. memes are powering up for 20 episodes at a time, <laughs> yeah. all that. Yeah, I mean, how can you not know about that? Yeah, so, all right, so but uh, so they have a fighting game. Out yeah, there. so they have this fighting game. and We played it, and I think what's really cool about fighting games uh, is that you can play them locally. So we're in this world where everything is online, and the way that you interact and play games with people is all online. Right. But the most fun I have is playing when my friends are sitting right down next to me, and we're able to communicate face-to-face, have a good time, not have the barrier of the Internet kind of in the way, separated by however many miles. Yeah. And and that has been somewhat influenced by me getting into board games super over the past several years. Right. I really enjoy being able to have this face-to-face time. Let's have some drinks. Let's kick back, relax, in a way that doesn't quite happen as naturally as it does on the computer. Yeah. And so you were saying that Halo 5 got rid of the split screen. Yeah, I think that's underrated one of the stupidest decisions you can do for a series that was built on split yeah, screen. Yeah, since you bring it up, yes. That, what made Halo so much fun uh, was that you could sit there with three other people and play for hours. Yeah. Uh, and you could play online, and so you would all be there together playing a bunch of other people, but you're playing on your... On your little yeah, screen. Or, or you get, you know, you get two, you know, which which at the time was a revolutionary idea. I mean, we're borrowing it from, like, throwing, sure. doing a land a land party. But, yeah, you hook up two Xboxes and two TVs, and you get eight people playing. They're all in the same room. That is fun. Yeah, it's yeah. great. And I think it's a feature that not very many games have now, especially on the computer. Yeah. The popular games are Overwatch. League of Legends, Dota, uh, the Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. These aren't games you can just easily come over and play with your friend. You gotta, if you're gonna play next to them, you have to bring over your whole computer, your whole setup, and it's a pain. I mean, it's just not something you're gonna do on a regular day of the week. But fighting games, you have that opportunity to just say, hey, Johnny, I'm gonna, can I come over to your place later? Let's just play some games. I'll bring over my controller or, yeah. or whatever the case. We, is. that's what it was like when we were kids. Uh, you just go to your friend's house and you sit down and play games. Yeah. On their on Absolutely. their system or on your system or yeah. And I think that's something that I would love to get back to doing. And maybe it's because we're both older and we remember those times, but I feel like I've had enough time in between when I did that and I've done all the online stuff. And I'm coming back to this and I feel like I'm able to judge it 
as objectively as I can. I mean, not this subjectivity in everything you like, right? It's an opinion regardless. But I feel like there's a lot of benefit that people are missing out on. And fighting games inherently are games meant to be played locally. Yeah, I think that might be why the fighting game tournaments are so popular. They are, yeah. Because it's it's... It's that's the setting. That it's is like the, the best way to play it. Two competitors right there, and a whole crowd of people standing around cheering or shouting, and and that's that's the fun part about it. Yeah, I mean Evo, the big fighting game tournament that happens in Las Vegas every year. Yeah, you know, draws ten thousand, fifteen thousand people or whatever for a genre that's relatively small. I mean, Dragon yeah. Ball Fighters on computer has two, three thousand people playing at a time. Player I know Battlegrounds has like a million people playing at a time. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, so, dude, check this. I'm, ta- I'm saying comparing the number one game to just a random fighting game. Yeah. Well, quick, t- quick tangent. Uh, yeah. About PUBG. Uh, so all my, you know, I got this is my new my new phone. I got my last one screen cracked, like it happens to everybody. Oh uh, yeah. And you uh, what's up? What's up? You got the mobile game? I guess they're making it. Uh, yeah. So I didn't even. I can't. I still can't imagine how it is, but uh, they. On the game launcher on my phone, it's got this own little section. Right. Uh, I'll open it up and occasionally an icon for a game I haven't downloaded is sitting there. Okay. And, and it's not actually downloaded, but it's like, hey, basically, <laughs> Samsung is saying, hey, you should download Just this Just a little game. nudge. Yeah, it's like, check it out. Yeah. Check it out. So I haven't done it, but then PUBG started showing up. Yeah. And I'm looking at it like, how... How can there be a PUBG mobile game? I don't know. And I pulled up the store, and I almost, I almost downloaded it, and I think... I think it's a good chance that next week when we sit down, I'm going to say, so I've been playing the PUBG mobile game. <laughs> I would love for you to play it. Uh, PUBG on the computer is kind of unoptimized. It's kind of a mess. That a lot of ways. some of the fun about the game? That it's just super buggy? No, it's just annoying. <laughs> okay. It's, All right. It's just poorly constructed. Well, uh, let me take so, a- so going to mobile... Yeah. <laughs> like, they're not a working product already. What are they doing going to another platform? Maybe that's And it. apparently the Xbox version's even worse. Probably, they're all just cracking up at how, how... Like, why are you people still doing this and giving this money? I don't know. But, right, but you were talking about Dragon Ball Fighter. Yeah, so, so the game is really cool. There's a lot of depth to fighting games. And I've been playing Street Fighter Five and Tech. And, like, I've gotten full in on fighting games. Yeah. And so... I don't really need to get too much into specifics of any of those, because they just get sort of niche and granular, but more of just why fighting games have been so cool for me to jump into after playing all these other games for so long. Uh, they really fit well with what I want in games, and that is I want something that's rewarding, so I can play these fighting games and really get into them. There's combos and counters to different opponents. There's different tactics and strategies that you can use in matches. There's a lot of depth to a good fighter uh, that, you know, are in other good games as well. But what fighting games offer is I can play in five minutes and be done. So you said how it's cool you have your mobile games that you can play. You know, I'll be it on the go, which I can't play with my fighting games. But if I have, like, a ten-minute break and I just want to say, okay, I need to relax for a little bit. Right. I've got time to kill in between, I know, going out to dinner or something. I can play a game for ten minutes get a little bit of fix in, and then go out and do something else. I don't have to commit 45 minutes like I do for League of Legends or 20 minutes like I might for Overwatch or something. Right. And it's 
a one-on-one game, right? So there's no team element to most of these fighting games. And you can play the computer and, or the AI, and that's fine, too. Right. I mean, you can still be practicing the whole time. Uh, what is actually, what is that called now? Because like you, you always say you can go against the computer because that's what right. you know, plays games on computers. But what is it? I guess the... I guess just AI. I mean, AI. there's just... Yeah, I think just AI, computer. I think any of those kind of work. Yeah. It all sort of... You know what I'm saying. Yeah. It all sort of means the same thing, right, for us. Uh so there's a lot of depth to exports, but it's the one-on-one aspect of you know you messed up when you lost. <laughs> like, it's on you. Yeah. It's not, okay, some other guy did something dumb, great, or I did something dumb and now my, you know, toxic teammate is going to yell at me for something stupid I did, even though he did something stupid a minute ago. Uh, you don't you don't have that right, and what that does is create this like sort of uh, sense of responsibility for your actions, and, and the whole community mm. has that same sort of mentality, right? So everyone who ends up playing fighting games has the same I don't want to say mature way of viewing things because video games <laughs> just breed a lot of immaturity, regardless of yeah, the genre. I <laughs> so I wouldn't, I wouldn't use that. But but everyone's coming from the same page of, I want to get better at the game. Like, I care about going to practice mode and just figuring out my combos right. and spending time just trying to learn about the game. Uh, and so I think the environment that that creates kind of just if I meet someone out in the wild who plays fighting games, I feel like there's a little bit more of a kinship than I might if I was just playing League of Legends. And I'm like, okay, cool, you play this most popular game, one of the most popular games, what characters do you play, blah, 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 blah. But kind of an example of that, and I want to get into South by Southwest in Austin. Which just happened a few weeks ago. Takes over the city. Right, takes over the city. I went to the gaming part of it for one of the days, mm-hmm. and they were doing, you know, they have all the little booths set up and everything, but there was a fighting game section, and they did a Dragon Ball Fighters tournament. That's cool. And so we were playing just sort of, like, casual matches with each other, and it brought together a group of people that probably wouldn't be brought together otherwise, uh, but for the most part it was me, who I'm a, you know, white, 34-year-old guy, right, there's this Asian kid who's maybe 20 years old in college, black guy, late 20s, Hispanic guy, late 30s, we're probably not going to talk to each other just out on the street randomly, right? I mean, maybe one of them randomly, we bump into each other, but we're having a blast together, we exchange like Steam names afterward, we're able to sit down, play this game for hours in and just joke around with each other like we've been friends for, you know, at least more than 12 hours, more than two hours. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that is because of all these things I just talked about. Uh, if you play locally, it's about face-to-face interaction. Yeah. It's about, I want to get better at the game, respecting that your opponent is good at the game, that they have these skills and abilities that you're like, oh, that was a really cool move you did, or really good combo, or, yeah. man, that was really impressive defense, or whatever. And so all these things create uh, a genre that I think people should really look into a little bit more. I know... The problem with a lot of fighting games is it's very scary, probably, to jump into them. Yeah. Because you're like, I don't know how to do these combos. There's a, there's a lot that can be said for, I mean, we could, have, we could talk at length about fighting games. I know 
Maybe we should save that for another day. Sure. Yeah, there's, but in terms of like what makes a great fighting game, in terms of not just its depth, but also I think like the ease of accessibility is a big part too. Because right. you get a bunch of people together. What's great about a fighting game is uh, that you're you're in that first stage of button mashing. Sure. And Absolutely. You still do cool. Do something. Yeah. So you're, you could be the button mashing. You got like one move. Right. You figure out one move, and the rest is just button mashing, and it's still fun. Right. And then then I, then you go through this phase. This like second phase where you're you know a couple moves and you keep trying to do the moves. Sure, absolutely. Um, but the button mashers keep beating you, <laughs> right? Because ultimately right. you don't know how to deal with. <laughs> right. the you're, you're playing suboptimally. <laughs> right. You're trying right. to do these things, and then you get to, and then eventually you get to that stage where you're actually and not, there's only been maybe where you get to that stage where you're really good. You, you know how to use the moves. Right. And deal with the button masher. Um, I've only ever gotten like to that stage in like one or two fighting games ever. Right. Um, the most usually I just get to the. You know, I can usually beat a button masher, but they'll but beat me, you know, plenty of times. Often, often, often enough. enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think accessibility is a tough thing for fighters. To get really, really good, yeah. Yeah, and there's, I've started to notice a little bit of, like, there's accessibility, but then what's actually good for a beginner for fighters? And what I mean by that is Dragon Ball is pretty accessible. Like, there's auto combos in the game where you can literally get rewarded by just button mashing one button. Oh, really? And you just do a combo. It's just like a, not as good of a combo as if you were actually doing a full manual combo. Yeah. But you still do some damage, and it still looks like you're doing cool things on the screen. You're still getting a really nice high out of, hey, I just did a bunch of damage and beat you up, right? Yeah. Looks cool. It looks cool. Visually. visually. But there's a lot going on in the game that (laughs) once you start playing, you're like, oh my god, I have to like manage these teammates, I have to do all these super moves, and so... Speaking of super moves, I gotta ask, do they do the big charge up hair color changing Super Saiyan stuff? Oh, they do everything in the game. The game is (laughs) super true to the end. It's amazing how good of a job they did with it. All right. uh, but then you have fighters like I think Street Fighter is a little bit easier to like all the combos in the game are maybe five hits. Yeah. Right. So if you yeah. haven't played fighting games, you're like, oh, this isn't so bad. I can pick up with like an easy character within like 30 minutes, an hour, or whatever. Like the best combos for this character. Yeah. Uh, Dragon Ball. I played the game for dozens and dozens of hours. I don't know the best combos for the characters I play regularly. Right. So there's a difference between, like, accessibility and, like, beginner-friendly, I think. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Which is hard. I mean, I don't know how you design around it. Like, I don't know how to make a good fighting game. And I know... Yeah, so in this sense, you're saying that a, like, accessible means it's just anybody can pick it up and play and have a good time. Beginner-friendly right. means it's, it's something where you can start playing it, learn enough to have a good time, but there's a lot more... I think we're, I mean, it's probably, we're probably saying the same thing, but yeah, right. that's, I think that's the difference between a well-designed fighter and a poorly designed fighter. Is, yeah. Is there depth behind the... Right, regardless, you need depth. Yeah. Like, you don't necessarily need to be beginner-friendly, you don't necessarily need to be accessible, but it's great if you can do it and have depth. Yes. And it is a tough balance, admittedly, to get to, and I'm not good enough at fighters to know, like, this is the best, deepest yeah. game or not. I just know they're fun, and... Kind of the nice thing is that skills transfer between them. Uh, I know you said you played a, a couple fighters, but not necessarily good enough to get to those points of time where you're like consistently beating the button mashers. Right. Uh, but I think if you play them back to back, you start seeing like, oh, I have these same sort of skills transfer. And I've noticed that playing uh, like Dragon Ball and Street Fighter, they have some similar mechanics since they're uh, 2D fighters. Well, I'm sure if I picked up Dragon Ball Fighter and 
down sweep towards the enemy and hit a button, it's right. going to attack. Right. Which is right. The, the Hadouken and... Right, yeah, so that's, that's a move. That move is in every game. That move is in every game. <laughs> you can, and so you're going to get something out of it. Or too. like back forward attack or forward forward attack. That's right. usually going to do something in every fighter game. Right. And that's kind of what's cool is you're not necessarily starting from square one if yeah. you've played fighters. Whereas other genres, I feel like you are. And if you play World of Warcraft and then you say, I'm going to play Elder Scrolls Online. Very different, yeah. You don't know what you're doing. I mean, it's a completely different game. You know, granted, those aren't like the most skill-intensive games, so it's not as big of a deal. But the fact holds that the genre is more tightly knit in, I think, a lot of ways than other genres are, and that kind of makes it cool. And so I'm pretty interested to hear about you talking about For Honor, since you briefly brought that up. And it's sort of a fighting game. It, it, yeah, it's a... I mean, it's, it's probably like, closer to that than another genre. So what happened is a, a co-worker of mine, um, Mike, he was going on about For Honor. He used to play back, you know, back when it first came out. And it's the kind of game where if you can if you can be on a team and you're talking to people, so you have a huge advantage. So it's, okay. a, it's a four on four game. Right. And you're you know, it's Knight Samurai's or Vikings, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's they've released a bunch of characters since, which is kinda neat. Um but you know you it's four and four, and there's either deathmatch or like a, you know, a, a, I think it's called like dominion or capture the zone. Okay. And he holds his own, capture it, and then you know they try to take it back. Sure. Anyway, so, um, and there's a bunch of NPCs running around who you can kill in one hit. Okay. And uh, so, you get these four characters, four and four, and so the, it's it's a you know, third person view. And what's great about it is, or what fe- the the combat feels really uh, visceral. Okay. Because it's not like a lot of games where you know you've hitbox and if your sword passes through the hitbox, you do damage, right? Right. Um, that's not going. But you know, ultimately, if you look at it on the screen, your weapon is passing through them, or right. you know, you're not. Right. You're really, not getting the same visual response, right? And in, in For Honor, they're really good about making it feel like you're hitting somebody or blocking an attack. Okay, um, that's cool. And it's a little twitchy, so you know, there's you got. Three directions are going to come at you from left, right, or up, mm-hmm. and the twitch the twitch defense aspect is to make sure you're moving with it, so you kind of get a warning of which way they're coming from. Okay, uh, there are, there are ways to make that go away, but typically you have a warning of which way they're coming, and if they're smart and they're combo, they're you're already using a combo on you. They're going to be changing every direction every time, right? And so you've got to work with them. And then what's nice is they'll quickly run out of energy, and then you get to come back at them and attack from okay. side to side, and then it'll, it'll so there's a flow. To combat, um, so like once they're done with their offensive phase, if you blocked it all successfully, now yeah. you can go on the counter attack. Or if you can counter the middle of their attack, it's a huge okay. deal. So there's a lot of if you're good, there's a lot of depth to combat. So okay. you can definitely get in there and just swing and kill people like that. You'll you can you can do that. Okay. But uh, I've definitely gone up against some people who are really good and just I mean, well. To give, you, to give you an example, the two-on-one or three-on-one is, like, super overpowered. Well, which it should be, you know. Sure. If you get fighting you there and you run, up behind the other, you run up behind somebody, you know, and your teammate's fighting him from the front, you come up behind him and attack, yeah, you should win that fight. Right. So a lot of the, a lot of the advantage of talking to people in the game is that you can coordinate, like, super well. Sure. So uh, 
But the really good players I've come up against are so good, they're able to take on two, three, four people at a time. Wow. And I've seen it happen, and it sucks to be on the receiving end of that. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> like, I cannot believe we lost this it guy. It is so frustrating. They, but, I mean, you can't do it. I mean, they, they, they know all the moves. They know all the counters. They're countering right. They're parrying right. They're, you know, uh, it's one of those games, too, kind of like uh, Call of Duty, where in between matches you can, like, level up your gear sure. incrementally, where... It makes a little bit of a difference, not necessarily a huge difference, but you can tweak towards a certain play style. Sure. Yeah. yeah, you get your progression fix. Yeah, so it's, it's been fun, and, and what's neat is, so him and I started playing it, I picked up a copy for like 20 bucks from the used section at Fry's. So sure. I was just like, yeah, you know, sure, why not? Yeah, it's fair. And, uh, and then we convinced another friend to pick it up, and another friend picked it up, and then somebody else picked it up. So now we actually have, there's about five people in this group, and so at any given time, two or three people might be playing at e in the evenings. Okay. And so it just makes it way more fun. Yeah, I mean, that, that is sort of the nice thing about those games is, hey, have somebody else to play with. Yeah. It's kind of fun. You can tell people are communicating because the team, like, they'll just descend on you from every direction at once. And right. they usually roll in groups. Yeah. So that's what we, when we're playing, and there's the one time we had all three three of us going, I still haven't played with four yet, so hopefully we'll okay. do it this week, but yeah, the one time we had three, man, it's just like, we just destroyed them. I bet so. Yeah. yeah I can think of all the times I've played games like League of Legends, when you have all five people, you know everybody, you've got your voice chat going. Yeah, everybody knows what to do. You know, it's a lot of fun, uh, actually coordinating stuff, and adds another dynamic to the yeah. game that... You know, have just playing with a bunch of random players. Yeah, so in terms of like a fighting game aspect, it definitely has that. Right, yeah, that, if you have combos and defense. Yeah, and every character has kind of their own move set, their own combos, their own special abilities. One, one flaw, I don't know if you've gotten into it or noticed it or if it's changed. One complaint I heard about the game a lot was that defense was just way better than offense. So the game kind of broke down in turtling. I know they've been working on it. But yeah, I, that, I don't know if they fixed it, but that might be also a like high level thing. I think they fixed it because I, I mean, I, to be fair, I just started playing it. But yeah, if somebody's just sure. turtling, it's pretty easy to block to like break their block okay. and, and uh, cause them to get stunned and then exactly. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they fixed it. I mean, I will say though the the single player campaign is so bad. <laughs> it's so so stupid. I, it's it was I don't even know why. Why it's there? Like they should have just not even bothered. Yeah. It's an afterthought. I mean, like the story doesn't even make sense. <laughs> it, it like things happen. You're like, I don't know who these characters are, or why I should give a shit, or like what what's the purpose of this part? You know, and it's just you know that makes it a real fighting game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. why is this story even in yeah, this game? It's like Mortal Kombat level okay. storyline. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Where it's just like you really like don't care. Yeah. You know? Like I guess you tried, but. Cool. Please don't. Yeah, it's like, like when Mortal Kombat tries to put some something. RPG elements into the fighting yeah, games. Yeah, I just, that you know, you know what you're good at, fighting games, stick to what you're good at. Yeah. And that's that. Well, cool, yeah, I mean, Toronto sounds pretty interesting. I'm glad that they're improving it. Yeah, yeah. and people still play, play it a lot. And Yeah, uh, it's still pretty it's popular fun. on computer yeah. as well. And it's been, it's, it's more, again, it's one of those, like, if I didn't have people to play it with, I wouldn't play it. I would not yeah. play it by myself. Like I it's don't not play. quite good enough on its own. Yeah, I don't just sit there and play for runner on my own. If, right. Yeah. You gotta see somebody on. Yeah, I mean that's something that just adds a ton of value. I mean I can think of all the games people are playing and people that typically gravitate towards consistently playing any sort of team based game, they have a group to play with. Yeah. 
Like, that's just kind of how it works for the most part is they get drawn in by having friends to play with. And I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think some of it's what's interesting on uh, For Honor versus other fighting games is you can play cooperatively versus traditional one-on-one fighting games. You can only play competitively. And while that's a lot of fun, yeah, yeah. it's just a different dynamic yeah. that you get for kind of something that's related to the genre. I mean... Again, I don't know what else to call it, but some sort of a fighting game. Like, it's like an arena fighting game or something. Yeah. 3D uh, fighter. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know exactly. I'll look, at a, I'll look up the genre and let you know next time what, yeah, how it's classified. Right. I, I couldn't really classify it right now. Yeah, that seems fair. Cause it's it's, it's, it's almost, pretty unique. Yeah, it's almost like a like a what do you, an arena game, right. but you cross with like a third-person... The yeah, obstacle. Yeah, <laughs> get the technical definition. Well, I think I think that probably. I think. Do you have anything else? No, I mean I think we've talked about a lot of good stuff. I had I had one comment about Dynasty Warriors Nine coming out, but I'm going to save that Ooh, for next time. There's our hook. Dynasty <laughs> Warriors Nine. Talk about the same. They've made the same game again, and I'm totally going to play it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Alright, um, you got anything else? No, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I've got, I've got, uh, maybe I'll talk about Sleeping Dogs next week. I started playing that a little bit, and it's oh, impressively fun. Curious about that game. For, again, a genre that I typically don't like, the open world, sort of modern, go do stuff in a city. But Sleeping Dogs, a couple hours in at least, has yeah. been really fun. Sweet. We'll talk about it next time then. Yeah, so I'm John. This is Chris. And we'll continue the conversation next time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Later. <laughs> I don't know. I have to think about what's